Well, hey guys, thanks so much for tuning into the Harbor Teaching Podcast. We hope that the messages you will hear are both uplifting and challenging. And now, welcome to the Harbor. I'm really am. I'm glad to be here. Um, as Tara said, we live in Lima, Peru. Um, I've been there 18 years. God's grace allows us to come home. Normally once a year, we get to come home for about a month. We go back October 5th. Um, I'm really honored to be able to be here speaking with you guys tonight. I, I, I wanted to do with my, my daughter does. I have a daughter that's 31 years old, not um, candy that Tara talked about, but my other daughter, Trisha, has Down syndrome. And whenever something's going on that she likes, she'll do a W. She does sign language. And she put two W's up and open her mouth and go, wow, you know. And that's how I feel to be here, you know, to be able to share with you guys tonight. And, and uh, I, I'm really blessed as I come in this time. And, and, and I like to have a good time. Um, and it, who in the world, does anybody here throw good parties? You do? Anybody else? Just him? Anybody been to a good party lately? Labor Day. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right. No. You know, because it's, it's good. It's a good thing, right? I, when I was home, just before we came up here, it's winter in Peru, right? Because we're in the southern hemisphere, so it's winter time. And um, we had a bonfire on the roof of our house. And, and I know that might sound strange to you, right? Because our roofs are a little different than your roofs, right? We, we had a fire pit, and, and we had, you know, a whole group of people come, and, and we were roasting marshmallows and the s'more things and a little bit of, you know, got the guitars out and just hanging out you know, snuggling together in the, around the fire. It was, it was a blast, you know. And, and we did a, um, a barbecue, um, a men's barbecue. We, we do a, a monthly men's prayer breakfast. And, and, and they're like, Rick, we want to sleep in, you know. And so, Can we do a barbecue? And so we did a barbecue. And there was so much food and just such a great time as we hung out together. And, and normally before I go home, I like to get together with people and, and I'm, I'm looking forward to, like, one party before I leave to get out of here. And with a whole group of friends that, you know, I've, I've known for forever, you know. And, and I'm looking forward to that. Another question for you. Have any of you guys been to a funeral lately? A funeral. Close? Somebody knew close? Anybody else? Funeral? Somebody lately? Close? I mean, I'm not talking about, you know, the Queen's funeral, right? I, I mean, that doesn't count. If you've been watching that online, you know, it's, it's, it's a shame. She lived a good long life, and, and um, that, that's not the same as what these guys have experienced, just having been to a funeral lately. I, right before I left to come here, one of the girls in our church, her, her dad passed away. And, and it's so different in Peru as far as how funerals and all that stuff is done. I, I found out like it, I don't know, actually my translator found out before I did and people were asking, does Pastor Rick know, does Pastor Rick know that I was going to be speaking at, you know, like 2 o'clock in the afternoon and it's like two hours away from where I live and, and all that type of stuff. And this, this girl, Anna, her dad, Navario, I, I got to make sure my thing doesn't time out, he... Um, he passed away. I had the honor of baptizing him last January. He was an old guy, older than me, old guy. And he was a little guy. He was only about this big. It, it was crazy when we baptized him. We, we did it in a little swimming pool. 
and he was sitting up in the swimming pool. And when we put him down in the water, his legs went up in the air like this, you know. And it was, it was really kind of weird, but it was cool, you know, to baptize a guy that's 80-plus years old, you know. You just don't do that often. And so, you know, they asked me to come and to, to, um, to share, right, to, to share a few words. And we got to the funeral. And, and in Peru, normally it's not at a funeral home. They bring the casket right into the home, you know. And, and so, you know, he was laid out in their living room. And, you know, and they put some things up around, and, and it's an open casket, but it's different than our open caskets. They, they have a piece of glass over the top like this because they don't embalm the bodies. Normally, they're buried, buried at, at least like the next day. It's very rare, you know, for them to, to go over. You, you know, so you got this piece of glass over. You can see the body in there, but you can't touch it. And you might be going, who would want to touch the dead body, right? You know, and when I was a kid, when my grandmother died, my dad took me up to the coffin, and he told me, touch her hand. And he said, you know, give her a kiss on the cheek. I was 12 or what? I didn't know any better, you know, and I did, you know. You can't do that there. You know, they got the glass over it because they begin to stink after, you know. And so they have to cover it. And, and, and we got there, we thought we were going to be early, but the hearse arrived at the same time we got there. And, and, and about a half an hour after we were there, you know, they loaded him up, and we took him out to the cemetery. And it's a huge cemetery. You know, Lima is a city of 12 million people. There's not that many cemeteries there, so, you know, it's a happening place. And so we went out there, and, and they put the coffin, like, right here. And I'm standing right up to the coffin. Dante is kind of standing behind me to translate for me. And, and, and there's a few people, you know, not a lot of people, just a few people there, you know, family. And, and so I got the share. And, you know, as soon as I'm done, the body is taken over. It's put in the hole. I, no, it's not put in the hole. The family came over, and they put their hands on the casket, cried. Said goodbye. I, really, for him, it was see you later. And then, not on our time, on the cemetery's time, in the Holy Ghost. Because they're getting it done. Over. The end. Tonight, I'm going to speak from the book of Ecclesiastes. Um, and we're going to look at a passage about funerals. It's not a book that most people camp out in often, but almost always there's somebody that goes, oh, I love Ecclesiastes. It's such a cool book, you know. So I'm, I think I heard somebody already here. Oh, yeah, Ecclesiastes, right? Ecclesiastes chapter 7 is where we're going to be. Um, if you don't know where it is, it's in the Old Testament. It's right after the book of Proverbs, right before the Song of Solomon, right? So it's right there in the middle of the Old Testament. Um, it's written, it's one of three books that are written by Solomon. If you study the book of Ecclesiastes, you'll see it's Solomon's attempt to find true meaning of human existence. He, he wanted to find out what the good life was all about. It, and he's declared to be the wisest person ever. He was the king that had it all. They, they say that in, in 2 Kings, I think it is, that when he was ruling, when he was king, that there was so much wealth that they didn't even collect silver. 
That's how rich he was. It was like silver was stones. You can't imagine, huh? He, he, he seems to be the perfect person to check out, you know, what is the good life? It, it's almost, Ecclesiastes, it almost looks like his Ph.D. thesis, right, when you, when you kind of look at it, you know, as you go through the whole book. The only limit that he put on his search was that he was going to do this on his own, right? He was going to use only his own intellect. It was the exploration of man without God. That, that was the picture. He, he uses this phrase over and over throughout the book of Ecclesiastes. He says, everything under the sun. And that's S-U-N, not S-O-N. Everything under the sun. He wanted to explore. He, he wanted to look at it from that point of view. In Ecclesiastes chapter 2, I think they're going to be able to put it up on the screen for you tonight. In Ecclesiastes 2, if, if it's not, it's close, right? He, he, it says Solomon tried to find meaning in this world. He built homes, gardens. I, I, I'm sure some of you know he had like a thousand wives and concubines. I, that was just probably a mess. It wasn't finding meaning, right? He, he acquired wealth, business. He said, I had everything a man could desire. In Ecclesiastes 2.9, it says, So I became greater than all who had lived in Jerusalem before me, and my wisdom never failed me. Anything I wanted, I would take. I denied myself no pleasure. I even found pleasure in hard work, a reward for all my labors. But as I looked at everything I had worked so hard to accomplish, it was all so meaningless, like chasing the wind. There was nothing really worthwhile anywhere. After searching through everything, right, this guy had access to everything. He said everything is meaningless. And, and I think the truth is that if we are looking at life from that perspective, that naturalistic perspective, where there's nothing else but this, it is a bummer. Life is just going to be a bummer. Right? When, when we're taught that there's nothing else than what we have naturally, right? It, it, there's like two, not, there's probably a lot more than two, but two main ways that we kind of look at our worldview. This box represents the world, the universe, everything that we know that we see of, right? It, you've heard the song, right? He holds the whole world in his hand. Well, that's what I got. I got it all right here in my hand, right? Everything that is, is inside this box. Nothing else can get in. Nothing comes out. Everything that is, is in here. That's a naturalistic point of view. That is not what we as Christians believe. We as Christians believe there is something outside the box, there's something outside the box that created the box that interacts with the box that is intimately involved with the things that are in the box, me and you. That's God. And so that is not how Solomon is looking at it. He's got just the box. Nothing after. If this is it, that's all that there is, all that we see is there. And if that's the case, we are just a freak of nature, right? You, you guys have been taught this. You guys have heard this. 
that we're just a product of random beneficial mutations. Nothing more. We are just pond scum. That's all. And that's like, what a bummer. All. The, the top, right? The most complex that we know is, what a bummer. And you see a person who lives on, you know, in the body level seeking just to satisfy those needs, that's all they're living for, without that impact from the spiritual world, the spiritual aspect of our life, right? We, we think of ourselves as three-part beings, body, soul, and spirit, right, as we talked about last week, that, that our spirit, we can be born again, and God's spirit comes and dwells within us. If we take that out of the picture... There's not going to be satisfaction. We're going to ultimately feel empty and frustrated. I, I, I think it's Blase Pascal, Pascal's Law. You know, I'm, I'm an engineer. My training is engineering as a background. This guy was a mathematician, philosopher, scientist, theologian. He wrote in, in the 1600s, I believe it was, there is a God-shaped vacuum in the heart of each man that cannot be satisfied by any created thing but only by God the creator, made known through Jesus Christ. I, I, I think that's the problem in our world today. Right? That's, that's, that's what our world is trying to do. It's trying to satisfy that void with anything but God. You know, there's scientists today that are, you know, studying, you know, where does life come from? And, and, you know, and they'll go down that path and they'll say, you know, you can come to any conclusion except that there was a creator. That one's thrown out because we're, we're trying to live in the box, naturalistic, right? And, and that's the picture of, you know, bummer. So I, I want to jump into chapter 7 here, right? This is the passage that I used at Navarro's funeral. And it's something that I've not been able to walk away from and just put down. It's running in the back of my mind. Ecclesiastes chapter 7, starting in verse 1. I'm not going to go really far. It says, a good reputation is more valuable than costly perfume. And the day you die is better than the day you were born. Better to spend your time at funerals than at parties. After all, everyone dies. So the living should take this to heart. Sorrow is better than laughter, for sadness has a refining influence on us. A wise person thinks a lot about death, while a fool thinks only about having a good time. But before we get into the meat of the passage, I just want to point a couple things out, okay? Because the meat, I think, that I want to look at is, is dealing with this thinking about death. The first, it says, a good reputation is more valuable. More valuable, you could say, is better than Right? It, it, a, a good reputation is better than costly perfume. That sounds like something you'd see. You know, you see sometimes you go in houses and they got this calligraphy paintings or, I don't know, maybe they're stickers. That's a good thing to have on the wall, right? Or, or your grandma, she might have cross-stitched it, you know, and you got this wall hanging, you know, that says a good reputation is better than a costly perfume. I, I, I mean, that just makes sense to us. A good reputation, right, it, it, of course, it, it signifies good character. Our character represents who we are. 
we don't get a good reputation unless we live good. Our reputation flows out of the way we live our life. Right? And, and that's the picture that it's talking about here. And, and it says, you know, the thought I think that is trying to bring across is the most expensive perfume that you can come up with cannot cover up a stinking reputation. A good reputation is better than a costly perfume. A good reputation comes from honor, an honorable life. This just common wisdom that we see here. Right? That, that's what he's giving us. The writer says, the day you die is better than the day you were born. I, I, I mean, the last statement, it made perfect sense. This statement, you kind of go, what? What's he talking about? Is this just in general, or is this referring to a man with a good name? Verse 2 says what? Better to spend your time at funerals than at parties. After all, everyone dies. So the living should take this to heart. This is just kind of a little aside here. You, I, I don't misunderstand the scripture. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying tonight, okay? It, it, it's, this is not saying that we can't go to parties. Now, now there are churches, there, I, I mean the Jehovah's Witnesses, they say you can't celebrate birthdays. And, and, you know, when you go through Scripture, if you take time in going through Scripture, you can see party after party after party after. I, I, I mean, think about it, right? Herod's birthday party. John the Baptist loses his head. Not a good thing, right? You, you, can, you see, um, re remember when the Babylonians fell to the Medes and the Persians? Remember, they're, they're partying. They had the army knocking at their door. And they're like, we're safe. We're inside the walls of Babylon. No one can touch us in here. And they're partying. And, and remember, they went and got the, the golden utensils from the temple in Jerusalem. And they began to drink and, and you know, serve their gods from it. And remember the handwriting on the wall? And they fell that night. Not a good thing. You can go back to Genesis. Remember with Noah in the days of the flood? Actually, Jesus says it in Matthew chapter 24. He says, as it was in the day of Noah, people are going to be, I don't think he uses the word partying. I think I put it in my notes. You know, they're going to be enjoying banquets and parties and weddings right up to the time Noah entered the boat. So some people look at that and go, parties are bad. That, that's, that's a misinterpretation of Scripture. That's not what it's saying to us. Christians are not required to give up pleasures that are innocent. We can go to parties that are innocent, but there are parties that we have no business being a part of. Right? So when we look at this and, and we, we interpret this, there are parties that we can enjoy. Spurgeon says it this way, there are parties where the drugged cup of the drunkard is never found, where the song of lust is never heard, and where the obscene word is not heard. These kinds of parties God approves of. So there are parties that we can go to, where we hang out, where, where we enjoy one another's company, where, where we encourage one another, where it's fun. 
but we don't have to partake in sinful pleasures. Right? So, so there's a difference, right, in, in, in the parties here. This, is, this passage of Scripture is not saying don't go to a party. So I, here's where I kind of want to dig in to what I, I think this passage is talking about. King Solomon, he's known proverbially throughout history as one of the wisest men that ever lived. The Bible declares him as such. And as believers in God's words, when we trust God's word and it says he is the wisest man that ever lives, Elon Musk takes a back seat, okay? <laughs> he's the wisest man that ever, and, and he knew all kinds of things. You know, and, and so you, you have this picture of the wisest man. And, and let's look at three reasons he says it's good for us to consider death, to think about death and, and funerals. The first, I, I think we take from that first passage where it says, the day you die is better than the day you were born. Again, that's like, what are you talking about? You know, it, it doesn't quite makes sense to us. I mean, especially like if you've ever been there when a baby's being born or, or shortly after, right? You see that, I mean, I was there when my babies were born, you know. I, I, I cheered from the sidelines, you know. But the baby as it was born, it comes out into your hand and you have that itty-bitty little baby there and you look into its eyes and you see much, so much hope, so much promise. And Solomon says, better is the day that you die than the day you were born? The Puritan theologian John Trapp says, children come into the world uttering the human sound, a scream. Before a child speaks, he prophesies by his tears of the coming sorrows. For those of us that are believers here, this verse does make sense to us. If you have, remember it says, he, a good name is better than a costly perfume. If you have the good name of Christian, if you take that name that I am a Christian, I am a follower of Jesus Christ, the day you die is better than the day you were born. Because the day you die you're going to go from this fallen world where you are going to step across that divide. And you are now going to be in heaven, in the presence of God. You know, where the Bible says there's no more pain, there's no more sorrow, there's no more death. For those of you that have just gone through that death experience, you, you, you know, I, I, I don't mean personally, but, you know, your friends have died. A family members died. In our church in Peru during COVID, every family in our church at least lost someone that died to death, to COVID. My brother-in-law. Yeah, everybody did. This death experience is not unique to, to an individual. It's everywhere. It permeates the world that we live in. You know, and, and, and as a Christian... Right? You know what Paul said, right? He said this in Philippians chapter 1, verses 21 and 23. He says, for me, living means living for Christ. And the way I memorize this is for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. 
for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. I'm torn between the two desires. I long to go and be with Christ, which is far better for me. So Paul's saying, look, the day that I was born is way better than the day I die. I'm going to go be with Christ. Why does he say that? And it's not because he was beaten, right? It's not because, you know, he, he was in the sea for, you know, a night and a day. It's not because he was bit by vipers. It's not because he was stoned. He says that because what? His treasures were in heaven. Remember Jesus said, where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. And his treasures were in heaven. You know, there is something, you know, I, I have a little bit of gray hair. I'm a little bit older than all of you guys. I, I was blown away because Sunday I taught at, at youth group, right? And there were kids in youth group whose parents were in youth group when I was teaching youth group here. And I'm like, I am old, you know? And, and, and then I was riding here at night thinking, man, will there be anybody here I know that was in no, nobody was in youth group that's going to be here. They're all old, you know. I'm like, Lord, help me. But there is something you can learn, okay? Us old guys have gone through different things. We experience different things. But as you start to get older, you have treasures that are on the other side. You can get to the place where there are more treasures on the other side than there are on this side. I and long for the day when I'm going to see my mom again. My mom died when I was 35 years old. I, I, I long for the day when, when I'm going to see my in-laws again. When I'm going to see my Uncle Charlie, my, my good friend John Neighborhouse. You know, there's, there's people that have gone on ahead of me that, that one day I'm going to be reunited with. And that's going to be incredible, but the best is I'm going to meet Jesus face to face. And all the stuff that I'm dealing with now, all the stuff that you're dealing with now that you're like, I'm so over it, it's going to be gone. The pain in your body, the, the emotional pain, the scars that you may have suffered, that you may be suffering right now, Jesus died for that. No more pain. No more tears. No more sorrows. Hallelujah. That's, that's our blessed hope. That's what we have to look forward to. <laughs> a couple years ago, my, my mother-in-law passed away. And, you know, we went over. I, I actually performed the service for that. And, and, and as I went, you know, and, and my, my father-in-law had already passed away. So, you know, we're... we're going through the whole thing that, you know, we go through. And, and I'm standing there and I go, oh, man. I looked at my wife and I'm like, you're next. <laughs> I, I, I mean, just logically, right? All of a sudden it hits you. Logically, you're the eldest in your family. Logically, you would be next in line to go. Things start hitting you when you think about that. I hope my wife lives longer than me, you know. I hope we've got, well, really, I hope Jesus comes back tonight, you know. But, I mean, if we're going to live, I, I, I hope we've got plenty of time. 
But the truth of the matter is, she's next in line. There is this line of life that just is everyone walking, because, you know, 100 out of 100 people die. When they talk about, you know, that life expectancy has increased, it's not increased. Everybody is going to die. I know you're going, oh, bummer, who invited him tonight? (laughs) The second thing Solomon says, it's good to consider death, to go to funerals, because everybody dies. So the living should take this to heart. You know, it's determined. Heaven has determined this. You know, that's why he says it's better to to go to funerals and the parties because we can consider what's going on. This is reality. Reality is not in the bar. Reality is not in the movie theater, the sports arena. It's not in the party, the house of pleasure. That's all fake. Reality is staring us in the face. Solomon says the living should take this to heart. The Bible says that we're all going to die. Hebrews 9, 27. I I hope many of you know that verse. It's appointed unto man once to die, and after that, judgment. It's it's an appointment we all have. Every one of us are going to face it, whether you're rich, whether you're poor. It doesn't matter where you live. You can live in Peru. You can live in the United States. It doesn't matter. It's going to touch all of us. And, and one day, you know, people will be standing at your funeral. There's going to be two questions they're going to ask. First question is, how did they live? That, that's why at funerals we have eulogies. Anybody want to say a few words? You know, you hope somebody comes. It, it drives me crazy. You know, I'm sure Brian's experienced this. Somebody comes up and they go, oh, God needed another angel. So they took... No, right? But you get people come up and, you know, like with Navario, you know, he taught us to work hard. He taught us to to live righteously, to live honestly, to live honorably, you know? And and so you hear things about people's lives. That reputation, a good reputation, is better than costly perfume, right? And, And then what? Where did they go? That's why they asked me to come. Because everybody wants that answer. Where do they go when they die? And the Bible has that answer. That's why they invite me to come and speak. Right? It's crazy. A few years back, I I, I was sharing at a funeral. and It was in Palm Bay. I can't remember what the name of the funeral parlor down there. But, but, you know, I had finished the service. And when it was over... I don't even know what you call the guy that runs the funeral parlor, you know. But the, the guy comes up to me, the funeral director, I guess, right? He comes up to me and says, hey, man, do you want to be the guy? I'm like, what? What do you mean the guy? You know, like the house pastor or chaplain? You know, like a bar has a house bar. Maybe you guys don't know that. I hope not, right? <laughs> it, you know that, that there's this band that always plays at this particular place. He was like, you could be the guy here. That whenever somebody dies and they don't have somebody to call, you can come do it. I'm like, thanks for the offer, man. And when I need a job, I'll, I'll call you, you know. <laughs> I 
The third reason Solomon says it's good for us to consider death, to go to, to funerals, it says a wise person thinks a lot about death. Are you wise? Do you think about death? I, I, I know it may sound crazy, but in a church this size, there's probably a funeral every week. Next event, Brian. Okay, Harbor, we're going to a funeral, right? Everybody dress up. We're going to show some respect for the dearly departed. Everybody wear black. What's his name? I don't know. It'll be posted outside. I know that sounds crazy, but God's word says there's wisdom in going to funerals. You're like, this guy is nuts. <laughs> what would you do at a funeral? What would you learn at a funeral if you went to a funeral? You know, just, you're like, all right, next weekend we're going to see. We're going to go. We want to go in the right heart, the right attitude. Why? What's, why does Solomon say there's value in me going to a funeral? First off, we're told to mourn with those who mourn. We have brothers and sisters, family members in Christ that are mourning this weekend. I, I, we don't know what happened. They're over there. We're over here. Life's good. Life's not so good over there. But if you go and, and you put yourself in that place, you will begin to feel the pain that they're feeling. Right? We're also supposed to rejoice with those who rejoice, right? So don't get me wrong. I'm not like an all bummer tonight. But if you go, you're going to experience what they're going through. It, it, you'll be able to pray. You see the people sitting there crying. And, 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 you know, and there can be horrible stories when you go to a funeral. And you may not even know, but you can pray in the spirit for those people. For God to, to bring comfort to those like God, the source of all comfort. There's nowhere else to go for comfort. You know, a, a bottle of bud ain't going to bring comfort. There's one source of comfort, and you know him. I, I'll, I'll tell you one of the hardest things that I ever did. I, I hadn't been on staff at church that long. You know, I was on staff. I've been in Peru for 18 years. I was on staff here for like 10 years. I came on staff. My dad hated. He disowned me the second time <laughs> when I left the Space Center to come on staff at church. And then one night, I get a phone call from my dad. Dad. My dad's like, Rick. Hey, Dad, what's up? He said, you know, my Judy's grandson. He just got run over by a car down on San Felipe. They put him in the helicopter, and they, they took him up to the hospital. You need to go up there and say a few words. Say a few words? What words are you thinking, Dad? He's already brain dead. 12 years old, 8 years old. Um, I got in the car, and, you know, I'm getting ready to drive. I, I live close to, to homes, and, and, and I get in the car, and, and I'm like, God, I became a youth pastor for pizza parties. It wasn't for this. I'm serious. That's what I thought. And it's one of the times I believe God spoke to me so clearly. He said, you have hope to give them. Go give them hope. Yes, sir. You have hope. You, 
not, not Pastor Rick, you, that Jesus living inside you, the Holy Spirit living inside you has empowered you to give hope to those who are hurting, to bring comfort through the power of God's Spirit to people that need comfort. And now that doesn't just happen at funerals, right? That can happen right here tonight. I, I don't know who needs comfort here tonight, but, but God can use you to do that. You can encourage them. Hebrews 3.13 says to what? To encourage one another daily as long as it's called the day. Why? So the deceitfulness of sin doesn't snatch you away. We need to be encouraged. <sighs> one more. We can meet physical needs. Widows, orphans. Weak people that are now weak. The Bible calls us to do that, right? You guys know that. James is what? Pure religion is what? To help widows and orphans. Do any of you know any widows in the church? Do they have a list of widows in the church here? That you could go cut their grass? My sister-in-law's a widow. Actually, both my sister-in-law's are widows. When we come to the States, we've been staying with my sister-in-law. She's not a believer. But I treat her as a widow that God would allow me to serve. Changed a pool pump. Repaired a fence. I'm doing stuff that's Used to be really easy for me to do, but now that I'm older, it's not quite so easy to do, but I still can do it. And she's like going, I don't I have no idea what to do. There is stuff that we can do to physically minister in people's lives. Because I mean, some of you, you know, like we talked about the prayer time afterwards. Well, I know you might not be comfortable praying or you might not be comfortable with the kids, but, but you may be the person that can fix a broken whatever. And God can use the giftings that he's given to you to minister to others. And you find people that are in need. Consider the end. I, I think that's the other big thing, right? In Deuteronomy 32, 29, you know, God's lamenting about his people through Moses. He says, if only these were wise, they would understand this and discern what their end will be. It's important for me and you to think about what is our end going to be because we're going to have an end. You know, if, if you have a, a career, you might be thinking about what is my five-year plan? What are, what are my 10-year goals? I, I used to have to do that. Where, where am I going to be five years from now? And most of us, my my sister-in-law has rented a beach house down halfway to Sebastian, and, and you know, and, and it's kind of like a family reunion. And, and you know, and, and my wife and my sister-in-law are sitting in the living room because they're leaving tomorrow, Saturday, right? And, and and they're making these plans, and they're talking about what are we going to do? And, and we make all these plans for our vacation. Do you consider your end? Where you're going? What are you going to do? It's important for us to think about that before we get there. 
It's one of the things that drives me crazy in Peru, the drivers. If you've been to Peru, and I know some of you have, right? When you've been to Peru, it's crazy driving there. You know, Minton Road is nothing. They actually have a show that used to be on that was called Don't Drive Here, brother. And they did it in Lima. Do not drive here. And one of my many pet peeves with the drivers in Peru is it's like they, they ride, you know, they're going really fast, and there's a taxi or a bus or some obstacle in the road, and they run up to it, and they get to this point, you know, and they're like, how can I get out from behind them? And you know how that is. You know, when you're riding down the road, you're supposed to be looking ahead of you. You're looking behind you to see what's going on, right? And you're looking out there, and you're seeing what's coming, and you're going, oh, there's a car stopped. Well, I can really smoothly move out here, go around them, and get back in and have no problems. Right? That's what you're supposed to do. You, you look at the end. You look at where you're going, and you make plans for it. Nope, they run up here and go, oh, I'm stopped. And in their effort to get out, they block all the traffic. And Pastor Rick gets in his flesh. <laughs> if I had a laser beam, they'd be gone, you know, type of deal. <sighs> How much worse when we don't prepare for what we know is coming? And I'm not talking about wills and insurance. You know, if you're a will insurance person, I'm not talk, trying to get your business, right? Spiritually, are we prepared for what's coming? We have no idea when it's going to be. Most of you think like I think about my wife. You're next. You're looking at me going, I got a long way to go before I get to where he is. But I, I, I think maybe you saw that, what is this guy's name? I, I wrote it down. Pro surfer Kalani David, 24 years old, died while surfing in Costa Rica? Now, I understand me dying when I'm surfing, but not a pro surfer, you know? He went out there surfing. And I understand that he had some health issues and whatever, but, but when he paddled out that day, he expected he was going to come back in. And it happens all the time. And I'm not even here pushing, you know, that you could die tomorrow. I mean, it's true, you could, but that's, that's not the big deal. But I'm telling you, what, where is your end going to be? The Bible tells us that we can know that we have eternal life. It's very clear that you can know where you're going to go. <laughs> I, I don't know if any of you are old enough to remember that old audio adrenaline song, Do You Know? Do you know, do you know where you would go if a DC-7 falls out of heaven and hits 7-Eleven? Do you know where you're going to go? <laughs> the Bible says you can know. If you put your hope, if you put your trust in Jesus Christ, you've invited him into your life. You can know you have eternal life. It's the most important question that you're ever going to answer. And I hope that as you've listened tonight, and, 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 and you know, you consider death, that it makes you think. Can I pray for you guys? Jesus, I thank you for my friends here tonight. God, I, I thank you for the truth of your word. Lord, we know 
that you are real. And God, I pray for my friends here tonight that they would take hold of the truth, the wisdom that Solomon is giving us to think of our end, to consider death, not in a morbid way, not in a, a planning way, but in the idea that it's eventual for all of us. God, I pray that you would help them. God, that, that if there's someone here tonight that's never, ever trusted you, that they would receive you by faith. That they would talk to one of the leaders here tonight if they have questions, if there's something going on in their heart. God, if there's someone here tonight that's, that needs comfort, that's, that's struggling in an area in their heart, maybe even someone that's, that's dealing with health issues, sorrow. God, that they would be willing to come in a time of prayer. Lord, we bless you, that you care for us, that you love us, and that you're preparing a place for us to go where you've promised that there's going to be no pain, no sorrow, no death. And we look forward to that day. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks so much for spending time with us. If you'd like to know more about The Harbor, please follow us on Instagram at wearetheharbor. Also, if you need prayer, feel free to send us a DM. Otherwise, tune in next time.